Gone are the days of knights and chivalry, and yet that hasn't changed God's vision of you as a man of valor. Today, pornography is a simple mouse click away, and sexual addiction is at an epidemic level. Dr. Mark Laser is an internationally known author and speaker, the leading Christian authority on sexual addiction, and the host of Faithful and True's online radio production, The Men of Valor Program. Here now is Dr. Mark Laser. Welcome to The Men of Valor Program. Last week, we had the pleasure of having one of my good friends and colleagues, Jennifer Schneider, on the show. And this week, we're going to return to the series that we have been talking about, in which we are uh, teaching about some of the Psalms, and eventually, we're going to teach about some of the Proverbs. Today, we're going to stay with the Psalms, and it's a Psalm that should be uh, very dear to the hearts of uh, all of us who have ever struggled with infidelity. And I'm going to get into that in just a minute, but it's Psalm 51 verses 1 through 12. Now, let's set this up. Don't you want to do that, Randy? I'm, I'm on the edge of my chair. Right. Just every word that rolls off your tongue has got me mesmerized. <laughs> I see. Mesmerized? All right. Well, this basically is the uh, psalm that David writes after he has uh, committed adultery with Bathsheba. And uh, then he's also been confronted, as we remember, by the prophet Nehemiah. Not Nehemiah. I've got Nehemiah in the brain because of accountability. Nathan, the prophet Nathan. So, you know, I think most people know that story. I, I think there's an interesting uh, background to it, and uh, that is basically that in David's time, as we know, there was conflict in terms of who was going to be the king, and Saul, his predecessor, was uh, very jealous of David after particularly his success in winning the hearts of the people and killing the giant Goliath and all of that. One of the things that you know political families did in those days, and maybe to some extent it still goes up, they uh, they tend to marry off daughters to uh, you know like a king or somebody like that, so that the families can be more unified. And I I think David's first marriage uh, was such a political arrangement. Uh, he was married to uh, Saul's daughter, whose name was Michael, and. Uh, I get the sense, and we'll see why here in a minute, that it was not a love match. Uh, you know, they didn't uh, date. They didn't go through infatuation period. They were just arranged. And, uh, and uh, I, you know, the Bible is not that specific about conflict between the two of them, except for one story, and that's the story of uh, David bringing the Ark of the Covenant finally. I mean, Jerusalem has finally become safe enough to bring the Ark of the Covenant uh, from where the Jews have been hiding it since they've, you know, returned from, you know, the exile. Uh, they've been hiding it out in the desert someplace, and David now finally feels safe to bring it into Jerusalem. And it's it's a historically a monumental occasion. Uh, David is so overjoyed that the Bible describes that he danced around the Ark of the Covenant as it was led through the streets of Jerusalem to the temple. So, uh, and the Bible also suggests that he did that in some form of nakedness. And Michael, uh, seeing this, comes out uh, and confronts him, basically. Here it is, you know, one of the most, you know, joyous occasions in the history of the Jewish people. And she comes out and confronts him. She's angry at him. Uh, and she basically says, you have embarrassed me in front of all the people uh, the people of Israel, and uh, also my handmaidens, so I guess they count up there too. And she's just, she's just angry. And that's kind of technically where the story stops. But then, like 
uh, with other Bible stories, there's a, there's a brief postscript to this, and the Bible simply says, and Michael had no children by David, which, what's your interpretation of that, Randy? Well, it was probably history's, uh, the first biz, uh, biblical account of a wife getting mad at her husband, and the fact that they had no children just tells me that she also <laughs> refused to have um, uh, uh, relations with him. Uh, that's one way to put it, and I'm glad you kept it kind of on the cleaner oh, side. Oh, I'm, I'm always on the cleaner side. I see. Well, you know, it's interesting. It could have been David that cut her off or her that cut off David, or there, it was just kind of a mutual thing. They didn't really love each other anyway, so they didn't have sex together. So it was a, it was a terrible marriage. It's, it's in that context, uh, which I think is important for all of our listeners that, you know, come here for help. Uh, the the addicts come for help with their addiction. The spouses come for help with their trauma, and uh, then we try to work with them as couples. And you know, there's a, there's a lot of our couples who have had uh, just lots of historic uh, conflict going back, uh, in many cases, to the honeymoon. And so I think a lot of our listeners can relate to this. And uh, <clears throat> so David, we have to assume at some level is uh, lonely because you know he's got a terrible marriage and. Late one night, uh, he's roaming around the palace, and he's up on one of the very high balconies. And, you know, the palace was on top of a hill there in Jerusalem. And uh, I just want to stop for a moment and just ask the addicts listening, have not many of us in our loneliness, in our stress, in our conflict, in our marital distress, I mean, have we not roamed around uh, late at night? You know, have we not waited for our wives to go to bed and you know, gone downstairs and uh, gotten on the internet and stuff like that. So, you know, they didn't obviously have the internet back then, but uh, what was the case is that the palace was so high, uh, David could look down into the courtyards of a lot of the uh, various houses below, and it was then that he saw Bathsheba, who was bathing, and I guess, you know, because of the water issues, you know, you kind of bathed outside, and there was certainly a wall around the house, but David could look down and, and see it. Watching from above. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was his trigger of the week, you know, back then. And uh, so he invites her to the palace, and uh, uh, they wind up having sex together, and she winds up getting pregnant. And then she, then he has a strategy to try to fix this, and uh, that is to get Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, killed in, you know, the next battle. And so he instructs his general to put Uriah out in the very, very front of the... the front of the line. The, yeah, the next attack. And sure enough, Uriah is killed. So at this point, uh, David is guilty of adultery, and he's guilty of murder. So, you know, he's violated two of the commandments. And I, again, you know, I just feel like pausing. I, I think that, you know, many of us uh, who come into this uh, recovery, this healing journey. You know, we come with a great deal of shame about uh, what our sexual sins and so forth have brought into our life, what our lust has created in us. Uh, I was thinking the other day about Paul's teaching, which we talk about all the time in Romans 7.15, that I, you know, I, I don't do the things I want to do. I, I uh, instead do the things I hate. Then later he says, I despise myself. And uh, I think that must have been true for David. So that is the uh, the backstory to, you know, Nathan, uh, who's obviously a prophet, and he 
he he knows the truth and knows what's happened and you know he comes into uh uh, the palace and you know David sitting on the throne and uh, he tells him a story kind of like a parable uh, about a man and a sheep and uh, David gets really angry at this man who's uh, stolen a sheep and uh, that's when Nathan uh, and we all know this verse Nathan says uh, you are that man and at that point I think David probably uh, fell on his knees because Nathan had made his point so that's that's the background to this psalm, I think, and uh, I don't know if you want to take a break first or what. Yeah, I think it's a great time to take a break. It, I, I thought you were, you know, as I was listening, you were kind of coming around the theme of how this relates to uh, the men in our community and how many times that level of shame and desperation mm-hmm. lead them to desperate acts, right. just like David had, right. uh, it had led him to put Bathsheba's husband at the front of the line. Mm-hmm. Not, not that we have men, you know, creating such heinous acts, but uh, certainly acts of desperation. Well, you know, last week we had the trigger of the week in Las Vegas. I mean, wasn't that a act of desperation? I mean, horrific. We, yeah, we still have acts of desperation going on, and our sinful nature leads us into some you know incredibly heinous things and so i think it's in the context of the shame of our sin that uh this uh this psalm is so uh powerful yeah well uh as you just mentioned we will take our break right now and when we come back we'll continue to examine this psalm you are listening to dr mark laser and this is the men of valor program Do you struggle with the use of pornography? Faithful and True is a Christian-based counseling center specializing in the treatment of sexual addiction and compulsive behavior issues. Our well-trained staff has the highest levels of clinical expertise combined with personal experience to understand and effectively treat your sexual addiction. We have a proven track record for helping men who are seeking a transformation in their lives. Our Men of Valor three-day intensive workshops, led by Dr. Mark Laser and Dr. Greg Miller, are the most effective and affordable treatment program in the country. Our workshop alumni rate our workshops as life-changing. We also offer workshops for spouses and couples. If you're ready to make a change in your life and are seeking a treatment program provided by the top Christian experts in the sexual addiction field, visit us today at FaithfulAndTrue.com to learn more. That's FaithfulAndTrue.com. Time now for the Trigger of the Week. Trigger of the Week, uh, there's been a lot going on nationally. And uh, again, this week we turn to some of the national news. And uh, uh, this has been a week where over the last several days, uh, the great movie mogul Harvey Weinstein has been... uh, accused of uh, just a lot of sexual aggression and uh, sexual abuse of uh, women's, uh, even to the point of rape, and there may be legal consequences to him, I don't know. The last thing I, I hear is that he went to treatment, you know, so he's obviously a sex addict. The truth of it is I met him once, not because he was a patient or because he came into us, or, but he, he had a family member that was at the uh, treatment center where I was working out in California, and uh, I would say that you know, he was just a very 
narcissistic individual. So he was a very selfish guy. And uh, I think, you know, when we think about stories like this and we hear about it, I, I just think it triggers some of those, uh, some of us who've, you know, either done similar kinds of things or, you know, come close to doing things like that. And uh, I know that uh, the sexual abuse of vulnerable women uh, is something that uh, uh, triggers my shame sometimes. And uh, so for me this week, uh, it's kind of been a huge huge trigger. Well, that also proves to us again, Mark, that money, fame, mm -hmm. celebrity, uh, none of those things protect an individual right. from from being um, in the uh, susceptible to uh, these uh, sexual uh, impurity right. uh, behaviors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And one of the things he said was that it was kind of the culture of the time when he was young and getting into the business. And, you know, I've heard that, and that may be true, the casting couch and all this kind of stuff, but you know, it's just no uh, excuse for uh, playing upon the emotions of vulnerable vulnerable women. And uh, he was married to uh, a beautiful woman who uh, left him as of this morning. And so it's not because he had uh, he didn't have access to uh, sexuality with uh, someone very beautiful. But anyway, so I don't think we need to belabor that. But that is our trigger of the week. All right, all right. So we shall move ahead then back to today's psalm that uh, you were so uh, beautifully uh, examining for us. Well, kind of setting up the background of it. All right, so here, is, here it is, Psalm 51. Uh, I'm going to read the whole thing here, verses uh, 1 through 12. And there's a couple, obviously, that I want to highlight. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Let's stop there for a moment. That is verse uh, 3. It's like, do not some of us with a history, uh, are our sins not always uh, before us. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. This is the verse that uh, caused me to think of this passage. It's verse 10. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit with in me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain. Do you not hear in the first part of that, the first verses, he's just basically confessing and he's asking God for grace and for mercy. And this is all Old Testament stuff. So, uh, you know, we don't have uh, our Lord and Savior Jesus uh, yet. And uh, so he's kind of relying on what he hopes and believes is uh, a, a, a graceful God. So, uh, but I think the key to this that we talk about all the time around here 
is that immediately upon being intervened on, uh, instead of being defensive or whatever, he, he got humble and broken and fell on his knees, fell on his face, I think, and then he uttered words like that, you know. Now, the, the 10th verse, I think, well, I have a story to tell. It's one of my medical stories. I, uh, for a number of months back, gosh, seven, eight years ago, was dealing with uh, atrial fib fibrillation, which is a uh, kind of a heart arrhythmia, and uh, it would come and go, and I would occasionally have to go to the hospital to get cardioverted, and I was taking medication to try to avoid it, and it was just a huge, huge nuisance. And uh, But I finally found a doctor uh, at one of our local uh, major hospitals, and he's one of the national experts in a procedure called an ablation, and uh, so he scheduled me to do an ablation, which is basically going through the saphenous vein in your leg up into the heart, and uh, in those days, blasting away with a laser beam, uh, cutting out the, uh, the cells that uh, create the atrial fibrillation. Uh, and so, I, you know, I don't know how many people out there have, you know, been in that pre-surgical place, but there's all kind of people coming and going and making sure you're hooked up to IVs, and the anesthesiologist comes in and tells you what he's going to give you. Uh, and then finally, the surgeon comes in, and he usually puts, you know, some type of magic marker on the, the right leg or the left leg or whatever. And uh, But I'll never forget this. And we had already been talking at some point that he was a Christian and that uh, faith was very important to him. And so, uh, but I'll never forget this. He, he uh, bent down, because uh, I was laying on a table, and he just whispered in my ear. He just whispered to me, uh, today, Mark, I'm going to create in you a clean heart. And I remember that's, that was a very powerful thing for him to say as I had the anxiety of going into this procedure. And sure enough, he did. Uh, the deal was that, you know, sometimes it takes two or three times of doing this procedure to finally fix it, but uh, he did it uh, in one, one uh, experience. So I think the heart in the Bible is uh, used a lot as a metaphor for our spiritual condition. What's interesting about that to me is that uh, when we talk today in our modern times about stress and anxiety and worry and fear uh, and, and unexpressed anger, we know that that can have consequences uh, to the heart. When I was in graduate school, I studied the effects of cortisol and the stress hormones on the, the linings of the coronary arteries. And when we're, when we're under stress, when we're feeling anxiety, you know, that does damage to the coronary arteries and can lead to heart disease, heart attack, and that kind of thing. So the idea here is really, you know, an accurate metaphor. If our heart is dealing with fear, anxiety, stress, shame, guilt, and all of those things, it can damage the heart. And uh, what David is saying here is kind of recognizing that in a way and saying, God, you know, cleanse me of all this sin and create in me not a lustful heart, but a uh, joyous heart, a well, it, pure heart. It is such a, an awesome and accurate metaphor, as, as you said, that uh, the, uh, the comparison of the human heart to the spiritual heart. Yeah. 
You know, it's uh, because you're looking for, in your case, you were on that table to get your physical heart cleansed, Mm -hmm. you know, and yet he was touching a place within you with his comment that was much deeper than maybe he knew. You know, maybe he was well aware of what he was saying to you, but, but the impact on you was tenfold. Because it was it was touching your your spiritual heart as well. That was that was an awesome statement for him to have made, and had to have really lessened your anxiety of that moment. And let's face it, mm-hmm. anyone laying on the pre-op table is in is in yeah. high anxiety yeah. of about uh, of what is about to take place. Well, you've been through it recently, and yeah, as of several of us, but. Yeah, that's right. I I do think he was aware of what he was doing. I I do think. Why did he whisper in my ear? He wouldn't have had to do. Well, that. I think you once again encountered one of the many angels that you have yes. talked to, with us about in the past. Right. I think that's exactly right. In fact, write this down. That's a story for our book. If we ever get any more of these stories collected about everyday angels. Yeah, he was an everyday angel. I, he could have been the worst surgeon in the world, and I would have trusted him at that point. Yeah. Because we, we, had, we had a heart connection. And how many of us talk about that, you know, in our relationships? You know, we, we, we would like to have in our marriages, for sure, a heart connection, which is a spiritual connection. And why do we use the heart as the biggest symbol of Valentine's Day and all this other stuff? You know, we could go on with this. I think most people understand that the heart is one of the major meta- metaphors for love and uh, uh, for spiritual well-being. So... David is asking to be restored here. Uh, he's, you know, he's not necessarily asking to avoid consequences because there will be, uh, there will be one, uh, but he's asking to uh, uh, return to God's good graces you know, and to be allowed to remain king, which, which God allows. And one of the things I find fascinating about David's story is that at the end of it, the Bible tells us, and David you know, ruled for... X amount of years, and he he was a good king. So I think we talked about this story in our series, God of the Second Chance, uh, because this is certainly a second chance. And I just want our listeners to hear the elements of it. It's that when you allow your lust to create major league sin and uh, you get into your lying, deceitful, manipulative behaviors and you know, in David's case, at least, you uh, allow that to cause uh, a death. Uh, you're going to carry around a lot of guilt and shame. Uh, and we need to submit and surrender all of that to God, and we need to do that humbly. Uh, we don't need to do that defensively. Uh, and I, I believe that, you know, when we get broken and humble and we confess and we repent and we agree to return to God's ways, that has uh, tremendous uh, even health benefits uh, to our physical heart. Yeah. Once again, that analogy that comes full circle in uh, in healing your your physical and uh, and mental state uh, through doing the right thing. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it always frightens me when you stop to realize when you're talking about all this pre-surgery uh, dynamic between yourself and the surgeons involved. And I try not to remind myself that 50% of the doctors graduated in the bottom half of their class. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm always hoping that that isn't who's taking care of me that day. Well, we never know. It's like, what do you call the guy that graduated last in his medical class? You know, doctor. <laughs> doctor. doctor yeah. <laughs> the same as the first guy. That's but, right. But like I said, I, I think there was something about this guy. He was confident. I mean, he 
he uh, performs this procedure all day, every day, and he was confident. He, but anyway, I, I, uh, I hope that in talking about this story, those of you that are listening and those of you that are listening as couples, uh, you might just <clears throat> say the words or some of the words of this psalm as a prayer, and that would be, create in me today, Lord, a clean heart. You have been listening to Dr. Mark Laser. I'm Randy Everett, your co-host, and we hope that today's show has been uh, of great uh, a blessing to you and, and beneficial to you. Uh, I thought of this the first time that you read uh, this psalm today, that that last portion of it uh, struck me as a paramount prayer for every man that struggles that struggles with sexual purity issues. Right. We hope that this coming week is going to be a week for you that is filled with many blessings and great vision. You've been listening to the Men of Valor program with Dr. Mark Laser. For information about this program or to learn more about Faithful and True, visit us at faithfulandtrue.com. That's faithfulandtrue.com.